folks welcome back to another episode of the uh, unbridled enthusiasm podcast i'm your host mock pulos good to have you back and uh for this episode i decided uh since the last one was uh kind of a intense sad episode about uh my gambling addiction i knew that this one uh, had to be funny so i decided that uh for this episode we were going to go over a lot of the most embarrassing moments of my career. A lot of stuff people don't even know about that I've never told anybody. Because why would you? They're very embarrassing and uh, pretty funny. So, might as well get into this. So it's just kind of a collection of stories of all the silliest things and most embarrassing moments and just uncomfortable things that have happened to me because you know comedy is such an interesting thing because they send you off to do shows and you can pretty much end up doing a show anywhere sometimes it's uh in a comedy club sometimes it's in a bar sometimes it's in somebody's house and i'll get to that one later on but uh this first story i was doing comedy in uh, decatur illinois had a pretty good show. I felt like it was uh, it was better than average. But there was a, a lady at the bar that was uh, giving me some guff the whole time I was up there, and I was slamming her back and all this stuff. And then uh, after the show, uh, after I sold my merchandise and stuff, I sat down at the bar, and uh, she was at the bar as well. And uh, she turned to me and she was like, "You know what?" You're not funny at all. And I turned to her and I said, uh, Well, ma'am, I don't know if I can trust you because I think you might be drunk because that left eye is kind of drooping and closing a little bit. And she goes, I had a stroke last year. Yeah, that happened. And so I said, you got to be kidding me. And she's like, no, I had a stroke some of the right side of my body still isn't working right and I went great check please and uh, I just got up and left so that was a fun moment I uh, I was doing a show in uh, Mount Pleasant Michigan and uh it's kind of an odd setup for a room. It was in kind of a Holiday Inn type of thing. So the show was in the bar area. So sometimes in those Holiday Inns, they have kind of a, like a seating area and then like a bar area. And they've got like ramps going to different places. So uh, our show was at like the peak of the ramp. So you had to kind of walk up the ramp to the stage. And the place was sold out. So there really wasn't anywhere to put my stuff. So I had the bright idea that I would put my shirt bag and my uh, CD case on stage with me. And then when I finished my set, I would just pick them up, 
walk off stage and uh, wait till the headliner was done with his show. Sounds simple, doesn't it? And then uh, after the show, I uh, I picked up my shirt bag and my CDs. I put them uh, my CDs under my arm and I started to walk. And uh, there was like tables of people kind of on the side of the ramp there. And as I started to walk down the ramp, I uh, caught my foot on one of the tables and I just fell straight forward. <laughs> and uh, I threw my shirt bag ahead of me and it hit some lady. Uh, I had a box of CDs that I threw in the air and they went everywhere. And I just fell straight down on my face. And the headliner's on stage. And he was like, Whoa, are you all right, big guy? <laughs> and uh, I wasn't really hurt at all, but uh, man, I felt embarrassed just laying there on the floor covered in my CDs. Some poor ladies being tended to because my shirt bag nailed her in the knee. And, uh, and the show had to try to go on from that point, which was pretty difficult but uh that one was probably one of the most embarrassing moments i've had leaving the stage i uh i had a similar incident when i was doing uh a comedy club in milwaukee it was kind of a higher stage a lot of stairs to get up and down from the from the stage so i was walking off the stage and uh i caught my foot on the last rung of the the stairs and I just fell straight forward into some guy's crotch and uh, it happened so fast and I was holding a drink in my shirts in my other hand that I just went face first into his crotch and uh, the MC was on stage at the time and he was like whoa what the hell's going on over here and I was like oh shut the hell up I fell down so that uh, that I think was the second most embarrassing moment when I fell off stage and I fell a couple other times, but nothing as dramatic as those two moments. Well, let's see what else I can tell you about uh, my life on the road as a comedian that was uh, completely horrifying. Um, I was doing a show one time in uh, Kansas City, and uh, I was on stage. And uh, at the time, I was still doing my parking lot retard bit. Um, where I talk about they were going to retard the parking lot. I thought they said parking lot retard. The hilarity ensues. So I'm on stage, and I start doing my parking lot retard bit, and it's getting no laughs whatsoever. Um, the manager had spoke to us before the show, and he said there was a large group of people uh, for a Christmas party, and uh, he didn't really mention who they were or what they did or anything. So I'm on stage doing this parking lot retard bit and nobody's laughing and it's just getting awkward and weird. And I don't know why at that moment I decided to, uh, find out what the big party was all about. So I was like, Oh, Hey, I hear there's a big Christmas party here. What, uh, who are you guys with? And the lady goes, we're with a hospital that works with mentally challenged kids. <laughs> I was like, great. I just put the microphone back in the stand and just laid on the stage. I was like, there's no way I can top that. And after the show, I felt so bad. All these people were coming out and telling me how funny I was and everything. And I was just mortified. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. 
you know, it's just a joke. It's, you know, and they were actually pretty courteous about it, but I could tell that a few of them were a little upset that I was making a joke about uh, mentally challenged people. And that actually was kind of a defining factor of me writing that joke out of my set. I just felt so bad after that, uh, that show. I, uh, I've had, uh, it seems like most of the horrible, uh, embarrassing and uncomfortable moments for me have come from, uh, doing corporates and college, uh, and, uh, corporates and private gigs. Cause, uh, a lot of people don't realize, but in comedy, like comedians don't, don't just go to a comedy club and tell jokes. They go, uh, they get hired by companies to do shows at, uh, their corporate Christmas parties. Uh, we get hired by random people after a comedy show to come and do their uncle's 50th birthday or, uh, like the college market is a huge thing. And sometimes, you know, it's not always like the biggest college in the world. You're doing these small market colleges where you're doing a comedy show at noon in the commissary where no one's paying attention to you, but you know, it's, it's homecoming week and they're trying to say they've got all this entertainment going on. You know, we got a comedian and music and all this stuff and just horrifying shows. So a lot of, uh, bad shows came from more corporates than private gigs, but I think one of the worst ones I ever had is I got hired. Uh, I was doing this casino in Reno once a year, and the lady who owned that was friends with a guy who opened a comedy club in Grand Junction, Colorado. So she was sending a lot of the comedians that were working for her up to this guy because he didn't really have like a, a you know, a Rolodex of comedians that he could call. So I got hired to go up there. It was supposed to be, um, uh, six shows for the weekend. And, uh, then they added on a corporate show. So I was going to make, you know, X amount of dollars for the weekend. And as I was driving to Grand Junction, he started getting spooked because, um, he wasn't planning on doing the weekend that I was gonna, cause there was like, it was some kind of festival or whatever, but he, he made the determination that there might be enough people that he could pull off the shows for the weekend. So as the weekend got closer, he just started panicking cause there weren't any reservations or people calling. So he started canceling shows. So at first he canceled, uh, both late shows Friday and Saturday. Then he canceled the Sunday show. And then, uh, Thursday was supposed to be the corporate show. So the corporate show was still going on and both early shows, Friday and Saturday. So we renegotiated the price and my hotel stay and all that kind of stuff. So I got there on Thursday. Um, and this was like at the end of May and Grand Junction is, I don't know what it is, but it was hot as balls when I got there. It was like 100 degrees, and I was sitting in my hotel room most of the time with the air conditioning on. And at the time, uh, when you do a corporate gig or a college gig or a private gig, a lot of times they want you to be uh, cleaner than you would be in a comedy club. So it's like no swearings, no excessively 
graphic language. So you kind of have to rework your act a little bit. And at the time I was doing this corporate gig, I didn't really have that much clean material. So I was still doing funny songs on the guitar. So I, I was going to fill the rest of the time with funny songs. But I hadn't played the guitar in a while, so I was in my room for most of the day just practicing these songs over and over again. So I got to the club, and uh, I walked in, and uh, you know I set up my guitar in the room, and I was just kind of milling about, and I went into the, the room where the comedy show was going to happen, and it was hot as a son of a bitch in there. And I walked out, and I was like, man, that room is hot. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry, man, the air conditioning broke, so it should be an interesting weekend. And then he goes, oh, by the way, I canceled Saturday because nobody's going to come. He's like, we'll talk about money after the show. This guy was a real gem. So I'm just kind of hanging out, and uh, I overhear an argument between the owner of the club and the guy that booked the corporate with him because they had paid for a comedy show and he had two different choices as far as food went. You could either get uh, uh, the lesser appetizer spread, or you could pay the full money and get a full dinner with uh, you know, a salad, entree, dessert. So they decided to go the cheaper way and just do the appetizers. Well, half the people at this corporate showed up early and ate all the food. They ate it all. They ate the appetizers like it was dinner. So the other half of the people that showed up a little bit later, like the buffet thing they had set up with all the appetizers, I mean, it was picked picked clean. You can find a chip or a carrot stick or a taco. It was all gone. So this guy's arguing with the owner of the club, and he's like, hey, you have to bring more food out. You know, we ran out of food like we need... We need more food because these people are coming in. And he said, uh, he goes, well, you paid for appetizers, and that's all you get with the appetizers. I can't bring out any more food. If you want to pay, I'll bring out more food. And the guy just got in his face, and he's like, we've paid a lot of money for this show. You better bring out some food. And then the owner of the club says to him, before the comedy show has even started yet, he said, if your fat friends hadn't showed up early and ate everything, you might have a little bit. He goes, it's appetizers. It's not dinner. It's supposed to take a little chips, little carrots, maybe a couple egg rolls, and sit down and have an appetizer. You don't eat the whole thing like it's your dinner. It's your fat friend's fault. And he just walks away. And I was like, oh, this show is going to be so much fun. So uh, he comes up to me. We're about 10 minutes to showtime, and I said, uh, you know, where's the feature act and the MC?" And he said, well, to save money, I've deci I decided to fire the MC and fire the feature act, uh, so this weekend it's just going to be you. So he's like, is there any way you can do 90 minutes? And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So if you're keeping score at home, uh, corporate party's pissed off because uh, their fat friends ate all the food. No air conditioning in where the comedy show is going to take place. And he has fired the MC and the feature, and I have to do the show all by myself. And at the time, not ready to do a corporate. There's no way I could fill 60 minutes clean without the guitar. So we begin the show. I go up on stage. 
I look across the crowd and everybody's face is a saddy face. People are fanning themselves. They're sweating. They're scowling. Some of them are hungry because they didn't get any food. And they're like, and now the comedian. So I got up there and I did about six or seven jokes and just nothing. nothing. I wasn't getting anything. So I stopped for a second and I was like, well, uh, how about a song? You know, how about a funny song? Bring us all back to the table. So I pick up my guitar, set up the, uh, my fingers on the uh, fretboard, strum it once and blow three strings on my guitar. They just pop right off my guitar. Cause I realized later I had my guitar in my air conditioned room all day. So I mean, it was so cold in my room because it was so hot outside that my guitar was actually cold from being in the cold room all day. So then when I set it up in this hot, muggy room that, you know, the change in temperature just made the strings pop. And I was like, I looked out at the crowd. I looked down at my guitar and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do now. So I just started telling jokes, any joke I could remember. I was doing uh, just stuff from my first year, all this other stuff, and nothing was working. They were just all staring at me. I mean, I, I got some laughs at some points, but it was just like a horrible, horrible thing. And this is the worst part of the whole story, is in my 13 years of doing stand-up comedy, I have never, before or after this event, ever, had to end my show with, I don't have any more jokes, I'm sorry. I literally was supposed to do 60 minutes, and I had to walk off stage at 28 minutes. I had nothing else. I couldn't even muster a funny story or a funny thought or anything. I apologized, and I told the people, you know, it's a really weird night, and... My guitar broke, and that's half my act, and I know I should have a backup guitar, but I'm sorry, and I said to apologize. If anybody wants my comedy CD for free, I'll just give it away for free, and I'll sign it after the show. And uh, a couple people took me up on my offer and took my CD. The rest of them just stared at me as they walked out sad. I mean, I sat down with the owner after the show, and, and he was trying to make me feel better, like, oh, you know, screw these guys. Uh, they don't know comedy. I, I understand you're funny, you know. And then I came back the next day, and we had four people for the show. And then he tried to cut me on my money, and it was just a horrible, horrible weekend. But I've never been that embarrassed where I had to end a show with, I'm sorry, I don't have any more jokes. I mean, that was the first and last time that has ever happened. Um, about five years ago, I got booked. Uh, there was a high school near my house that, for whatever reason, as one of their things that they did there was uh, towards the end of the year, they would always have a stand-up comic come in and do two shows for the whole school. Like, it would be half the school, and then you'd take a half-hour break, and the other half of the school would come in, and you'd do two 45-minute comedy shows clean, eight in the morning, for high school kids. And uh, I felt like at that time I had the chops to pull it off, but I didn't realize 
how many restrictions you would have doing a high school show. Like I had done college shows and corporate shows and private party shows, but I had never done a high school show. And their restrictions were like unbelievable. Like you couldn't even talk about drinking. You couldn't talk about alcohol. Uh, you couldn't... Uh, tell any jokes that alluded to sexual stuff i mean it was a lot of like some of it common sense but a lot of it was just like oh my god i really can't talk about anything so i got up there and i did the first show and i thought it went well and after the show the principal and the assistant principal and the entertainment person brought me backstage and they just berated me for the comedy that i was doing they were almost not going to allow me to go back up and do the next show. So I was letting them know, like, oh, I'm very sorry, because they had a real problem, which I didn't even think about, was I did a a silly joke about uh, all the weird things that are for sale on eBay. So I said, uh, well, I was pretty excited, because last week I bought uh, a 12-year-old Ethiopian kid, is what I would say. And then I'd say, oh, and he loves to clean, God bless him. You know, it's just a silly joke. But they had a problem with me saying Ethiopian, like I was uh, I was buying a black kid. So they had a problem with that. It was just a very odd morning. So I went out and did the second show, and I felt like it was going really good because I was keeping it clean. I wasn't going racial or drinking drugs or anything like that. And I got to the end of my show, and a bunch of people started calling out for me to do the jokes that I had on YouTube because apparently they had looked me up on the internet and I had a couple jokes on there about uh, funny signs in Kentucky but the other one was all about these two buddies of mine I had in high school that were doing a lot of drugs and they would do the drugs and then just be weird you know like I walked in on them one time where they were tripping on mushrooms and uh they were both trying to catch goldfish in their bare hands you know it's just stuff like that so a couple of people started chanting you know uh, tell us about your buddies from the internet and i don't know what the hell snapped in my head but i was like oh my god these guys love me they've checked me out online for sure i'll tell you my buddy jokes about their drug use so i went through this like 20 minute bit talking about them doing acid and mushrooms and in my head, I was like, I can do this. I can find a way to pull this off. So I I did a disclaimer at the beginning. I said, you know, uh, just say no to drugs, kid. Drugs are the worst. They ruin lives. They destroy lives. And this is how, this is how I know. And then I went into the jokes thinking that it was going to be perfect. After the show, nobody wanted to talk to me. I just walked out of there. The next day, I got an email from the booker. And it was just like all in caps letter. Did you do jokes yesterday about doing acid and mushrooms in front of high school children? I was like, my stomach just dropped. I didn't get paid. I was supposed to get like 900 bucks for that show. They didn't even pay. And they lost that account just because of me. And I mean, it was absolutely just uh, a horrendous thing. But on the same lines of doing shows in front of kids, I got booked maybe four or five summers ago to do a week of shows in Wisconsin Dells, which is a, a family destination town in Wisconsin where it's like only open from Memorial Day to Labor Day and they have uh, water slides and go-kart tracks and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I got hired to uh, 
do a comedy hypnosis show where there's a comedian for 20 minutes and then they do hypnotism for uh, the rest of the time. A pretty easy gig, you know, Wisconsin Dells in the summer, you know, it's touristy and get to do some cool stuff and do some comedy. So when I got there, I found out that uh, we were doing uh, five days in a row at this uh, this theater and it was split into into half. So in Wisconsin Dells, you, if you have an entertainment venue, you have to offer family entertainment because of the families. So they would do a family hypnosis show during the day and then an adult hypnosis show at night. And I, I was like, oh, that's cool. That sounds like fun. And they were like, well, you're doing the kids show too. And I go, what do you mean the kids show? It's like, you want me to do stand-up comedy in front of children? And they were like, oh, yeah, everybody does it. They love it. They're like, just talk about silly stuff in your life, you know. And I got terrified. I was like, I don't even know what to talk about, man. I uh, I tried to rewrite some stuff, and then I was up there and uh, and not even thinking, like, uh, things would be as touchy. Like, I had a joke where I said I pulled up to a gas station in Kentucky, and... In that soap writing on the window, it said, uh, uh, come inside for the best pizza around, two slices for $5. And then right under that, it said, Jesus is coming. Are you ready? And I, the joke was, wow, that must be some really good pizza if Jesus is coming. And uh, after the show, uh, well, I had another incident at that show where I was doing a joke about... Uh, uh, Jeff Gordon, and how uh, he used to have a car that had rainbow colors on it, and uh, he wanted to get rid of it because people kept calling him gay because of the rainbows, and so he had his uh, his people repaint his car and put flames on it, and I was like, that seems kind of like the same thing. So I did that bit, and I, there was usually an ending to it where I would say, what's what's his next car going to be, just a giant dick, and the wheels are the balls? And he's like, wait a minute, seems like somebody's playing a joke on me, and all, he, all he's sponsored by is Richard Simmons. You know, it's a... <laughs> so I was like, I can do the beginning part of that joke where I just say rainbows and flames. Like, that's not, you know, I don't think that's a, a, a bad joke. So after the show, I'm out in the lobby, and this mom came out and just was screaming at me out there. She's like, you think that's funny doing jokes about Jesus and gay people? She's like, are you out of your mind? There's five-year-old children in here, and I've never been more embarrassed, and, and I felt so horrible. And then I got home, and uh, I got word from that comedy club. They sent me this really long letter and that because of what I did that they lost the ability to have uh, like weekday shows for like a year or something. They got uh, suspended for a year because of my comedy show, and I've never felt more horrible about anything ever. That was a pretty bad one. Uh, I think uh, over and above the shows for kids, I did a show one time. I got booked for this corporate and I showed up there, and uh, it seemed like a very normal. It was like a business, 
you know, dinner type of thing and just asking around, like, you know, what kind of content do you guys want? And they said, well, you got to be super clean, you know, because this is for such and such business and whatever. And and they said, uh, oh, and by the way, the uh, the nuns and the priests from the church are sitting in the front row. And I was like, oh, my, jeez. So I went up on stage and I was like, I don't think I've ever had to do a comedy show that was clean enough for God. And I didn't know what to do. I just, I did as much family stuff as I could talk about and tried to cut out as much stuff as I possibly could. It was an absolutely horrible show. And I don't know what came over me. But sometimes when you're on stage doing comedy and you're trying to edit yourself and you're trying to cut things out, sometimes you'll fall into what comics call the groove where you just fall into the groove of your act and you're not even thinking about it you're just kind of saying the words that come next and whatever and out of nowhere i just started doing this bit about how i got caught peeing outside one time and uh, the bit is like i get caught peeing outside and i get hit by the spotlight and the cops are like what are you doing and i say uh i'm throwing up and they said, why are you throwing up your dick out? And I was like, isn't that how you do it around here or something? I can't even remember the ending of the joke. But anyways, I said dick in front of a priest and a nun is what I'm trying to get to. And uh, my stomach just dropped straight through my ass when I said that. I was like, what am I doing up here? So I tried to laugh it off and... and pretend like i didn't say dick i was like no no i said uh, i said trick i said uh why are you throwing up with your trick out yeah because that makes sense dumbass then i got home and uh they still paid me but then they forced the booker to give him a 50 dollars refund because i said dick on stage which i still to this day found hilarious that they wanted 50 dollars back because i said dick but some of these corporate shows are the worst man i did a comedy club in South Bend and the guy said uh you know I got this corporate set up for Friday afternoon is there any chance you would want to go do it it's a quick like 200 bucks or whatever and I was like absolutely you know but it it turned out that the corporate was at in the late afternoon so what I had to do was uh they started the show and we were going to drive across town I was going to do this quick 30 minute set at this corporate party and then be back in time for me to go on stage and headline the comedy show at the comedy club. It was logistically, it didn't feel like it was going to work out, but so we drove over to this place and it was a restaurant, like an Italian restaurant. And, uh, the corporate party was in the basement. So you would go down this huge, like double stairwell down into the basement. And right at the base of the stairs was the uh, table of honor and it was a retirement party for this guy and the whole place was packed but the room was split into two sides because of the giant staircase so the uh the club owner goes oh this is where i got you set up right over here in this corner and i was it was just a horrible eye line just a very awkward setup so we went in the back and we were waiting for them to tell us it's time to go on stage and i asked the club owner i go did you tell this guy that we have to be out of here by a certain time so I can get back and headline the comedy show. And he's like, oh, yeah, he knows, he knows. So we get to, uh, so it's about 40 minutes until we have to leave for the comedy club. So he checks with him again, and he's like, oh, they're going to hand out the desserts, and then when people are done with their des desserts, then we'll start the comedy show. 
So 10 minutes later, it's 30 minutes until we have to leave, so we're still doing pretty good. We can't find the guy. So the club owner leaves. I don't see him for 10 minutes. So he finally comes back and he goes, okay, we're going to start start the show real soon now. So I go, so I'm only doing 20 minutes now, right? Because we have to leave at the specific time. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell them. You know, like I've told them that we have a deadline or whatever. So they lollygag around until there is 10 minutes until we have to leave. So I turn to him and he's like, well, all you can do is the 10 minutes. I'll explain it to him later. And I'm like, okay. So I went up there. I made some jokes about the uh, retiree and a couple of people that looked weird in the crowd. And, and that was pretty much my 10 minutes. And I was like, you know, let's raise our glasses to the retirement of this guy. He looks like a great guy. God bless you. And thanks for having me. And I'd love to stay, but I got to go headline this other show at the comedy club. Take care. So I put the mic down and we both just went straight up the stairs and nobody clapped and they were all just staring at us as we ran up the stairs and we went out and got in the car and this, this guy that was running this corporate thing comes running out after us screaming and he's screaming at this guy in the parking lot, the club owner, like he's doing 10 minutes at it. He's like, I'm not paying for this bullshit. And he's like, and he just like screamed out. He's like, I told you we had to leave by this time. And I just felt so, uh, uncomfortable in that situation for sure Uh, but i think to this day uh even above the kids show and the high school show and the nuns and the priests i think the most awkward corporate show i've ever had to do was i got hired to do comedy during a tea service at somebody's house and yes that sounds as horrible as I have just described it. I was standing in someone's living room with some little old ladies sitting around drinking tea and they wanted me to do an hour of comedy for $500. And I don't know how I pulled it off, but I filled the time, but I offended every single person in that room. And it took probably 10 minutes of coaxing for that lady to hand me the check and I was explaining, like, you know, this isn't a normal show, and I try to do the best I could. I apologize. I'm like, what do you want from a comedian standing in your living room as you're trying to have tea service on a Sunday? It was absolutely uh, ridiculous. But um, So this last story I'm going to tell you is probably uh, the most horrifying story that I've ever had. And uh, I'll tell you why. Because... There's a booker in Columbus, Ohio. His name's Dave Stroop. And he books a ton of, ton of comedy. And every comedian wants to get in with him. And I had managed to audition for him. And he greenlit me to do some comedy for him at his A rooms around the country. So the first week I'm ever working for this guy is in, at the Funny Bone in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, I'm so excited. But I'm nervous because I want to do a good job because I want to get more work from him. It was definitely like a tester week to see how I would handle his other rooms. So Mark Gross was headlining and this local radio guy named Round Guy was emceeing and I was featuring and uh, we all hit it off. We were having a great time and uh, Mark Gross, the headliner, was he was kind of starting his show every night by uh, calling back to some of the jokes that I did on stage, which was really cool. I felt good about that so we came to the last show of the week and round guy came up to me and he goes hey mark you know what would be funny 
is if you don't do those jokes tonight. So when Mark Gross tries to call back to him, you know, he seems like an idiot. It'd be funny. And I was like, I don't know. This is my first time here and my first week working for Dave Stroop. And I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, listen, I got a lot of pull around here. If you don't do this, you will never be back here ever again. But if you do do it, I guarantee you'll be back. And I was like, oh, God, all right. So round guy kept Mark busy in the bar, and I went up and did my set, and I didn't do those jokes. So Mark Gross went up there, and he did the callbacks, and nobody laughed, obviously, because I didn't do the jokes. So he called back to the back of the room, and he was like, oh, Mark, you didn't do those jokes this show, did you? And I said, sorry. And everybody laughed, and he's like, oh, you bastard, you got me. So then uh, I go out in the bar, and the club owner, this guy Paul, who has since passed away, he was a really good guy, but uh, a terrifying gentleman. I'm 6'7", 350. This guy was like 6'9", like four bills. Just a very intimidating guy. I go out in the bar, and he's like, hey, Mark, come here. Come in my office right now. And I was like, oh, God. So I go in the office, and I sit down, and he's like, shut the door. I was like, okay. So I shut the door, and he just kind of leans back in his chair, and he goes, who the fuck do you think you are coming into my comedy club, making my headliner look like an idiot? You think that's hilarious? You think that's great? And I was just like, uh, uh. And he goes, you know what? And he holds up a check. And he starts tearing it into pieces, and he throws all the pieces in my face. He goes, that was your check for this week. Get the fuck out of here. And I just stood there with this doe-eyed look on myself, and, he, and he's just like, hey, get the fuck out of here. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? And I stood up, and I opened the door. And all of the bar staff and round guy and Mark Gross were all standing outside and they all just started laughing at me. They got me good. And that was probably the most terrifying moment I've ever had after comedy. I was like, oh my God, I fucked it all up over a stupid joke because some fat guy from a local radio station is just completely ridiculous. But, uh, yep. So that, uh, that wraps up this episode of uh, Unbridled Enthusiasm. As always, if you want to check out more of my stuff online, go to largedrunkman.com, largedrunkman on Twitter, largedrunkman on Facebook, and uh, you obviously know to, where to find this podcast because you're listening to it. But uh, tune in next time when we talk about who knows. <laughs>